0: Well, hello friends, welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you, so send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Have you ever been in a race or played basketball, football, or some other sport? No matter how you start, whether you shoot out of the gate fast, maybe start a little slow, no matter if you're blowing your opponent out in the first half, it all comes down to how you finish. Today we're applying this same principle to our lives with Christ. Paul, a follower of Jesus, wrote about finishing the race, not finishing the first half or having a strong start. Let's get started in this message about finishing well. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Mine was cool. I ate three different kinds of pie. Isn't that cool? By the way, there's an elder in the prayer room in the back. If at any point during the service, you need to pray with somebody. Make sure you slip your way back there, and they'd be delighted to pray with you. So John was talking about these websites with life expectancy calculators. Aren't they cool? They can predict when you're going to die. You answer some questions, they tell you how long you've got. I thought they were quite fun, actually. One website, it's called Poodle Waddle. (laughs) I love the name. They predicted that I would make it to almost 80, about 15 more years. Another one, time.com, gave me till the age of 87. I think they're stretching it. About 22 more years. I did like that one the best. However, one of them called deathdate.info. Deathdate.info. They gave me until January the 28th, 2020. (laughs) I got a little less than two months to go, according to deathdate.info. Julie is planning on asking the elders for my salary in one lump sum for next year, by the way. Now, that was their optimistic projection. Their neutral projection said that I should have died back in 2008, over 10 years ago. And their pessimistic projection killed me off in 2001, 18 years ago. Now, Tater got online and checked my information out. He's he's like that. He's not a nice guy. And he found a website that predicted that I would die about four years ago, right about the time that I fell off that scaffold. (laughs) They almost got it right. In fact, because our staff are not good people, they started making these suggestions. One guy suggested that when I fell off that scaffold and came that close, that God threw me back, saying, this guy needs more work. Another guy suggested that God gave a tongue lashing to one of the angels when he fell. He says, God says, I wanted another angel, not someone like this guy. Like I said, our staff, both guys and ladies, are not good people. Now, none of the tests that I took, they asked a variety of questions, but none of them I took asked the right question. They'd ask stuff like my height, my weight, stress, exercise, basic health stuff. There were no questions at all about how fast I drive or how much bacon I eat. There was none at all, right? Or my general oneriness, which I think might very well lead someone to kill me early. Anyway, I know that some of you guys are going to be so intrigued that right now you're tempted to get on your phones, You know, Google life expectancy calculators and spend the next 30 minutes trying to figure out when your death date is. Don't. Please don't. Just mess up your lunch, not worship, okay? Go ahead and do that a little bit later. For the most part, people in our culture don't talk a lot about dying. They don't try to think about it. Now, sometimes as people get older sometimes as they get really sick, they do think about it. But most of us don't try to think about it too much, even though (laughs) you're going to die, right? Unless Jesus comes back first, it's pretty much 100%. You're going to die, every one of us. So what I'm going to talk about this morning matters to every single one of us in this room. Now, some of you guys might be prone to lean in a little bit, because maybe you've checked that life expectancy calculator, and you think time's coming pretty quick. Some of you guys are going to be prone to kind of lean out a little bit, because you might still be wanting to tune it out. But it's going to come. You don't know when, I mean, these expectancy calculators, life expectancy calculators may predict you got 40 or 50 years. They could be wrong. I mean, every single one of us knows guys who died way too early, right? We know that. So we're curious about the when, when actually the bigger questions are these. Am I ready? Am I ready right now? What happens next, afterwards? And what am I going to leave behind when I do die? And all of those questions depend on this one. How are you going to finish? Not how are you going to start or how much you accomplish in between. It's all about how are you going to finish. I don't care whether you die today or in 50 years. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to depend on how you finish. How do you finish? Now, why am I going there this morning? It's pretty simple. We've been in this macro series since September we've called life a hero's story. Life, a hero's story, and the hero's not us, it's Jesus. We've been talking about how to do life with God, for God, God's way, because we believe that makes life way better, and we believe it makes us better at life. September was about the rescue. Spiritual life, real life, eternal life starts when you bend your knees to Jesus, right? Right? When you accept Him as your Savior and your Lord. We are a mess. None of us is good enough, smart enough, and strong enough to save ourselves. So Jesus, the Son of God, did it for us when He took our sins to a cross. And then by breaking the chains of death, your death, when He walked out of that tomb. That is so cool. It's free. It's grace. If you'll bend your knees to Jesus. That was September. But it's not just about being born or born again. It's about doing life with God every day, 24-7. That was October, the rescued life. We talked about loving God every day with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We talked about loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's part about doing life with God, God's way. We talked about acknowledging his presence every day by reading the word. We had that 30 day challenge, right? That you version challenge. And then we talked about praying to our God every day. And we talked about doing church with the people of God. It's what we were made for. And then this last month, we talked about our mission as Jesus followers, the, the job he gave us to be rescuers. He says, You will be my witnesses because if you have received grace, it's on you to share that grace, right? But there's one more piece to this life with God. Last piece. Cuz it ain't over till it's over. We're not done here. Until that day when we stand before him face to face and that's coming. For me maybe January 28, 2020, about 2 months, possible. For you it's coming. You don't know when. So here's the key. Never quit. Don't quit. Never quit. If you quit before that day, you will regret it forever, literally. So finish well. The tough part is you don't know what your finish date's going to be. So right now, be finishing well. In five years, be finishing well. In 10 years, be finishing well. Always be finishing well right now. I know that sounds strange. What's that look like? What's it look like to a Jesus follower to finish well? Because it looks different to us than it does to them. A long, cushy retirement. Enough in the bank to travel if I want, relax if I want. To be a hero at Christmas to the grandkids if I decide I like them this year. Give a little to the church if I want. Or Maybe it's the one who dies with the most toy wins. You got the houses, the cars, the boats, the Tesla pickup on order, Right? That'd be finishing well for a lot of folks. Maybe it's a pain-free death. There'd be a whole lot of rich folks who'd give up a whole lot of rich for a pain-free death, right? So you've had a great day, you go to bed happy, and then you just don't wake up. For a lot of folks, that's the perfect death, right? Well, I kind of think that finishing well kind of boils down to whether there really is a God. Bottom line. And whether Jesus really is the Son of God, and whether He really did die for our sins, and if He really did walk out of that tomb. Because if Jesus did all that, if He really is right, then finishing well is going to be defined, entirely defined, by where you stand with Him. That's it. I mean, guys, if there's no God, then a long, cushy retirement is about as good as you can get. The more toys you can accumulate, the better especially a painless death and if that's your dream your goal your ambition for finishing well then you'd better hope there's no god you better hope jesus stayed dead a megalomaniacal fool right because if there is a god and jesus really is the son of god and if he really is going to be there when we die then finishing well is going to be defined by how we stand with him And the rest of that stuff is less than trivial. Which is why the bigger questions for a Jesus follower are these. Am I I ready? Am I ready? What's next? Am I going to leave behind a God-honoring legacy? You see, as Jesus followers, we want to die vertical. That's the way one guy put it. I like it. We want to die vertical, standing tall as Jesus followers. We want to be a witness to Jesus even when we die so that we can hear those words that, to me, are going to be the most precious, longed-for words ever. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and share my joy forever. So, there's a principle of finishing well that tracks through both the Old Covenant, the Old Testament... And the new covenant with God, our covenant with God, the New Testament. It's a principle that the people of God had lived by literally for thousands of years. And this is the idea. It's not about how you start. It's not even about whether you've been more good than bad in the in-between. It's about how you finish. What matters with God is not how you start. A lot of us start well. And it doesn't matter whether you've got more A's, B's, and C's on your report card than D's and F's. It's about how you finish. That's hard for us to get. See, me and I lived like a hellion for years, but I come to Jesus before I die, and you're saying all the hellion stuff won't win out? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you're saying like if I was baptized at eight or nine and I grew up as a Jesus follower and spent most of my life in church, served where I could, gave what I could, and then for some reason I blow God off. You're saying if there really is a God and there really is a heaven and a hell, you're saying that God isn't going to see that I was more good than bad and let me in anyway? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Actually, I think that's what he's saying. Let me show you. First from the Old Covenant... It's not our covenant, but it's the same principle. First from the Old Covenant, from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, an amazing chapter in the Old Testament. Ezekiel was a prophet of God who lived about 600 years before Jesus. God made him do some really weird stuff to get his message across. But in places, his words are just stunningly powerful. In Ezekiel chapter 18, he gives us two big ideas. These are huge ideas. Number one, it's about where you stand with God, not the people around you. It's about where you stand with God. Idea number two, it's about where you stand with God when you finish, when you finish. It's not about who your parents are, good or bad, friends are, good or bad, what color you are, how rich or powerful you are. It's where you stand with God. And it's not about where you start. It's not about the time in between. It's about where you finish that matters with God. Let me show you. See, in the Old Testament, particularly in the early phase of the Old Testament, there was an old idea that if a man was really, really bad, if I was a really, really bad man, God would not only punish me, but he was going to punish my kids and my grandkids for my sins. That was the idea. And I know that my sins are going to affect my kids and my grandkids. They always do. We can't avoid that. But this is different. They believed that God was going to punish my kids and bu- punish my grandkids for my sins. How awful is that? And Ezekiel says, no, no. He says the one who sins is the one who's going to die. Just the one who sins. No one else's is good is going to count for you, and no one else's is bad is going to count against you. It's about who you are and what you choose that's going to matter on that day. Then Ezekiel lays out all these examples. I'm going to try to modernize them a little, pull them into our culture. He says, suppose there's a good man, a godly man, righteous man. He loves God with all of his heart. He loves his neighbors, his children of God. He tries to do life with God, for God, God's way. Ezekiel says, that man is righteous. He will live, declares God. Makes sense. But what if that good man, that righteous man, has a God-dishonoring son? And you've seen it happen. What if despite the model of his father, the kid refuses to do life with God, for God, God's way. Is God going to give your kid a break because you have tried to be a God-honoring parent? Ezekiel says, no. Should such a sinful person live? No. Your kid must die. And your kid must take full blame. Wow. That's hard, isn't it? And then he says it this way. What if, what if your God-dishonoring kid, this kid who rejected God, has a kid of his own? And despite the miserable model of his dad, that kid, your grandkid, chooses to do life with God for God God's way. Will the sins of the father cause God to turn his back on his son? And I know the sins of a father make it a whole lot tougher for our kids to choose God. You see it all the time. But will my sins cause God to turn his back on my kids? Ezekiel says, no, no. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins. The parent will not be punished for the child's sins. I mean, he's made the first point, right? Big idea number one. It's about where you stand with God, where you stand with God. It's not about who your parents are, whether they're good or bad. It's not about who your friends are, whether they're good or bad. It's not about what your color is or how rich and powerful you are. It's about where you stand with God. That's what matters. Where do you stand with God? And then he moves to the second big point. He says... What if there's a wicked guy who turns away from his sins and begins to obey my decrees and do what is just and right? What if there is a guy who repents, tries to turn his life around? Well, he says, they're going to live. They will surely live and not die because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. He says all of their past sins are going to be forgotten. All of the past sins are going to be forgotten. Really? Yeah, he says all of them. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior, if they unrepent, and if they start doing sinful things and acting like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? Ezekiel says, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten. And they'll die for the sins of their finish. Because it's not how you start, it's how you finish, good or bad. It's about how you stand with God. It's about how you stand with God right now. Now, I know Ezekiel is Old Covenant, Old Testament, but the principle is there in our covenant with God too. I'm going to show you two verses. Jesus says this. He says there's going to be a time, there's going to be places and times when it's going to be very difficult to be a Jesus follower. Some of you guys are going to be arrested, persecuted, killed for being Jesus' followers, and that's happening today around this world. you believe that? It happens. People are going to laugh at you, mock you, hate you, sometimes just for being a Jesus follower, and some of that happens even here in our culture. And he says, some of you guys are going to fall away. Some of you will fall away. Some of you will drift. He says, the love of many of you will grow cold. Your love for God... Your love for your neighbors is going to grow cold. But, he says, the one who endures, the one who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't drift. Don't quit. When the going gets tougher, hang in there because it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. The Apostle Paul got it. If there was ever anyone who accumulated enough points with God that he could have just coasted in. Right? That'd be the Apostle Paul. Paul compares Jesus following to a race. What credit, he says, do you get in a race if you don't finish? It's not about how you start. It's not about how strong you were in the middle. It's about your finish. He says run to win. He says run with purpose in every step. And then he says this. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, here it is. I fear that after preaching to others, after spending my life serving my Jesus, I myself might be disqualified. I don't want to quit. He said, I could, I might, but that'd be terrible. So don't drift, don't quit. See, there's this huge theme in the New Testament wrapped around this word called perseverance. Perseverance, it's not a nice word. Sounds hard, sounds boring even. But it boils down to two things. Do you really think, guys, that following Jesus makes your life better? And it makes you better at life? Do you? We do. We think that that's the best way to live. It's the way we were created to live. And number two, we know that being a Jesus follower in this world can be hard, right? We live in a world that is at war with its God. We also believe that it's going to be worth the pain to keep pressing through. So, how are you doing with God right now? If this is your year, you got a month left. How are you doing right now? Next year, January the 28th, maybe, how are you doing with God? Five years, 10 years. See, we really don't know when the day's going to come. It means there are some guys who spend all of their time trying to figure out how long they've got or trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back so they can be ready. Just be ready. I don't care when your day is. I don't care when he comes back. Be ready. That's what we're going to talk about. How do you do that? You know, that's part of what we're about here at Capital City. Our first purpose is to bring people face-to-face with Jesus, to win people, who need Jesus. But our second purpose is to grow them up into 24/7, 24/7, that's the key. 24/7 Jesus followers. If you're doing the stuff of a 24/7 Jesus follower, you're ready, guys. You're always ready. You're ready every single day. It not only makes your life better, it not only makes you better at life, but you're always ready. And maybe you're kind of a part-time Jesus follower right now, kind of slacking on the persevering part, not 24-7. Or maybe you're not Jesus followers yet at all. You're not ready. So I want to kind of give a picture of what persevering looks like. In a simple way, I think it, we kind of post it on our wall out in our foyer. You ever see that wall in our foyer? You walk by, maybe don't see it anymore. It says, worship, connect, grow, and serve. I'm going to tell you guys, if you are worshiping and connecting and growing and serving, you're ready. If you're doing these things, you're ready. You're ready to finish. So persevere in worship. And to say persevere in worship sounds terrible unless you get it. But worship does make your life better. And when you understand that what we come to do here is to worship God and not me and it really doesn't matter who else is in the room. It doesn't really matter whether I like the music that morning because it's not about me. It's about giving my God who's in the room the attention and the honor that he deserves. Guys, you are never, ever going to outgrow the need to worship God with your family. You're never going to outgrow that. You're never going to graduate from the need of worshiping together as Jesus followers it's who we are and what we do he deserves it we need it and they need to see us doing it from the bottom of our hearts and I know that sometimes it gets hard for some folks especially in a place like capital city you see we don't design our worship services to target just one part of our family we actually want parents and grandparents and grandkids sitting side by side. We want black and white and everything in between sitting side by side. We want white collar and blue collar and redneck sitting side by side. That's what the family of God is supposed to look like. We want those who seem to have it together and they don't, and those who know that they don't have it together sitting by side, engaging God in this room. So a whole lot of what we do in this room is not aimed at you, but we're a family, and a family member tolerates a whole lot if he knows that some other part of the family is being fed, especially as we get older, guys. Finishing well is going to require a lot more patience from us as we get older as the forms of worship change, because they change, but it's worth it. Because there is nothing more important to a God-honoring Jesus follower than to see their kids and their grandkids connect with God. You buy that? There's nothing better than that. So we persevere in worship. Making it about Him and not us. He deserves it. They need it. We need it. They need to see us doing it. We persevere in connecting. Is it worth it to keep connecting? Again, we think it makes life better. We really do. Because it's not about me. It's about loving God with all I've got. It's about loving my neighbors myself. God didn't make us to go it alone. We say that over and over and over again. It is hard to stay faithful, hard to stay passionate when you try to do it alone. Jesus' following is not about coming into this room and sitting here for an hour a week. It's actually about doing life with other Jesus followers, genuinely connecting with other Jesus followers. Our, old, our, our New Testament, our new covenant with God tells us to be devoted to one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, offer hospitality to one another, encourage one another, build one another up, spur one another on, and we cannot do that stuff if all we do is sit in this room for an hour a week. That's why our life groups are so important to us here at Capital City. 10, 12, 15 people actually connecting, doing life together. And I know that some of you guys who've been in this thing for a while have all the connections you need. But you need to understand that you've got brothers and sisters who don't. If not for your sake, love on them. So keep connecting. And we persevere in growing. How to finish well, just look at the wall. Is it worth the effort to learn more about God, to get closer to God, to become more effective as a witness for my God? Do you think? Do you think it'll make your life better? In mean, decades ago, we used to wear these little tiny pins. Here it is, P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. Anybody remember what that means? Raise your hand if you do. I see just one or two hands. You guys are old, right? Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. We used to wear those pins around, right? I don't still have my pin, but I don't think I've outgrown it. I don't think God's finished with me yet. I'm pretty sure that none of you has outgrown that pin. That God is not finished with you yet. I hope He hasn't finished with you yet. Bottom line... A Jesus follower keeps growing and maturing till the day that he stands before God face to face. He's not finished with us yet, which means that we are lifelong learners, sometimes on our own, sometimes together. That's what our growth ministry here at Cap City is all about for all of our family, every age. Now, let me give you one more piece on this one, one little caveat. Sometimes we are tempted to do backwards as we get older. We're tempted to ungrow as we get older, we become not more childlike, we become a little more childish. We don't just stall, we start backing up. You know why? Because apparently as we get older, what I'm told and what I've seen is we start losing our filters. We start saying things that we wouldn't have said when we were younger. We start doing things that we wouldn't have done when we were younger. <laughs> That's awful. Here's what happens. If we are not still growing as Jesus followers, then what we tend to do is to get meaner, ruder, less gracious, and less kind. And I'm terrified of that personally. You see, I tend to be cynical, grumpy, and outspoken, right? Does that shock any of you guys? Can you imagine how awful I will be to be around if I lose all of my filters of grace and love? I don't want to be like that. I want to be nudging people towards Jesus till the day that I die. I want to finish well. So I want to keep growing. Keep studying, keep learning, keep growing till the day that I die. I hope you do too. And then we serve. We persevere in serving. We never quit. John says you don't graduate from serving our God because it makes life better really is cool. I think the notion of retirement has messed some of us up as Jesus followers, especially in Frankfurt, where you can put in 25, 30 years and you're done, right? Now it's me time. Work if I want, chill if I want, whatever. Except if you're a Jesus follower. We don't retire from service as Jesus followers. How we serve will change. That we serve doesn't change. I'm not as strong physically as I used to be. There are things I used to do as pastor of this church, physical things that I can't do as well anymore. But there will always be something I can do to serve my God and my church family and my world. One of my most honored heroes here at Capital City, I've talked about him many times, is Ray Burton. Ray had no legs, 25 surgeries gnawing on his legs. He told me one day, I can't do much for my church anymore. (laughs) So I just pray for all of you every day. And he prayed for every single person in this church family at that time by name every single day. And that's all he could do, he said. I can't do much anymore. What a dork. Amazing what he did for this church family. Jane Dean just took care of people, she wasn't strong physically. So she'd just take them into her home, cook them meals, let them stay. I don't know how many grandkids of every different color she has. She and the Coney's used to cook up a Thanksgiving meal for all those in our church family who were far from home. Hmm. How cool is that? And think of it this way. I don't care who you are, how old you are. You serve, you serve our Lord Jesus every single time you nudge anybody towards him. Do you buy that? Every time you are a witness, Jesus said, You'll be my witnesses. And you're going to be a witness till the day you die. You're going to be a good witness or a bad witness, but if you're a Jesus follower, you're going to be a witness. Let's do it well. Let's serve him well. Bottom line, guys, don't quit. That's what it's all about. Don't quit. Keep loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and keep loving your neighbor in the same way that Jesus loves you till the day you die going to make your life way better it's going to make you better at life finishing well boils down to this who do I love the most till the day I die and I never graduate from grace I never graduate from either getting it or giving it it's all grace guys truth and grace truth with grace till the day we die and you finish well no matter when that end comes. I don't know if I've mentioned this recently, but we've got a pretty twisted staff here at Broken City. I mean, Capital City. They're, They're not nice people, right? Not long ago, one of our ladies, my daughter, started asking the people on the staff, if you had to die like you were in a horror film, what death would you want? That was her question. Now, I was hoping that her question was just simply curiosity and not strategery, right? Now, Vern's answer, I think, was the best. Vern said, I'd like to be beheaded from behind without knowing it was coming. Okay, not bad, quick, no idea it's coming, good answer. I could go with that one. Well, Randy and Tom and Tyler and Vern and I got together a little preaching group last Tuesday. And we were talking about something similar. We were just, Randy asked the question, of all of the deaths in the Bible, whose death would you want? All of the Christians, the Jesus followers, the God followers in the Bible, whose death would you want? Peter? Peter was crucified upside down because he was a Jesus follower, right? Paul? Paul, he was beheaded. He wasn't beheaded from behind without knowing it was coming. He was beheaded intentionally because he was a Jesus follower. Stephen, my namesake, they stoned him to death as a Jesus follower. James, the brother of Jesus, I threw him off the wall of the temple and finished him off with a club because he was a Jesus follower. Apostle John's death was better, if by better you mean less painful. He died in exile because he was a Jesus follower. None of them would quit. I love that. None of them would quit. Randy's favorite is pretty cool. He didn't go to the New Testament. He went back to the Old Testament to a guy named Enoch. Ever heard of Enoch, father of Methuselah? He was one of those guys with real long lives in the, early in the book of Genesis. It says, altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Go figure. That's way too long. Walking in close fellowship with God, kind of like going on all of these long walks with God. And then one day it says he disappeared because God took him. That's all it says. How cool is that? It's almost like Enoch is out on one of his walks with God, and God says, hey, we're closer to my house than yours. Let's just go to mine. And Enoch says, sounds good. So I want to die. You? It's finishing well, walking with God until the day he says, let's go to my place. So don't quit. Finish well. Learn to do life 24-7 so that you're always ready. Always ready for that day. Now, there's some of you guys who haven't started on the path. Let's get it done. It's where life starts. It doesn't make life worse. It makes life way better. Why wait on doing what you know is right? The Spirit's nudging on you. Let's get it done. Let's get it done today. During this Lord's Supper time, I'm going to be sitting down front. Or if you want, don't want to come down front, there's one of these little blue cards that says, I have decided. Fill one of those out and give it to one of our guest services people. They'll give it to us, and we'll call you, and we'll have a talk. Love to chat with you about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, getting your life started. And we're going to gather around this Lord's table in just a minute. It's interesting when you, when you... Do the Lord's Supper around Thanksgiving. Our Thanksgiving meal is supposed to be one of our celebration meals. We're supposed to be grateful for all that God has done for us, and it's so cool, isn't it? One of the early names of the Lord's Supper is the Eucharist, called the Eucharist. You know what Eucharist means in Greek? It means Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving meal that we have every single week. We give thanks to our God. We give thanks to our Jesus for dying for us and providing us with life. It's a Thanksgiving meal. There's something else about this meal that we're never supposed to forget. This meal is supposed to be an anticipation. It's supposed to be pointing forward to a time when we are actually going to sit at table with Jesus in heaven. It's a Thanksgiving meal that looks ahead to that time when we're actually going to be in his presence. When we come to the Lord's table today, make it a Thanksgiving meal. Give God thanks. And thank him not only for this meal that seals our near future, but for the reminder that someday we're going to experience life in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, for Jesus, we give you thanks. For your love for us, we give you thanks. For the life that you've allowed us to live, the hope that you've given to us, we give you thanks. And I pray that today, in these next few minutes, as we gather around your table, that you will be honored. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You're welcome.